Hello, listeners. This is Athean 7, and you are listening to Week 18 of And the Winner Is Podcast, presented by Athean, Beyond the Athlete League. Visit Atheon.org or Instagram at hashtag WeAreAtheon for more information. For the newbies out there, this show is my opportunity to give you all my thoughts and predictions for the NFL. Up to this point, I have given you my top 14 teams in order to predict who I think will make the playoffs. I'm still going to give you my top four teams, but not until after I give you my take on each playoff matchup, not just for wildcard weekend, but the remaining playoffs, because we're here. We're, we're here, baby. The playoffs are locked and loaded, and each week I will revisit what I had right, what I had wrong, and then reset, giving you a new update if needed as we go through the playoffs. Before we get started, I want to remind you all that if you plan to use any of this information for any purpose, do so at your own risk. And with that, let's get to the wild card weekend. Matchups in order in order as the games will actually get played. First game up, we have the afternoon game on Saturday. The Seahawks going to the foreign to San Francisco. Most people, as with myself, I'm I'm picking the 49ers. But I also think that this game will be closer than we might think. This is a rivalry divisional matchup. Even though it's been a little while, we can't forget that these two teams do not like each other, right? So I, I think that Seattle will find a way to keep the game close, much closer than we, what we would expect. But in the end, the 49ers are too tough for the Seahawks. So I have them moving on. The second game is the evening game on Saturday between a very tight matchup of the, uh, the, the Chargers going to Jacksonville to face the, the, the Jaguars. This is a tough game to to predict because it's it, it's pretty close. You know, just looking at the two quarterbacks, they get linked to each other, and they will be for the foreseeable future because of their profile. They look similar to each other. They both happen to be around the same height, same build, long, you know, blonde locks. Just you know, their mechanics are a little bit different, but generally speaking, they both have the same kind of capabilities, right? I do think that Herbert has a little bit of an advantage just because a little bit more reps under his belt. But the, ja- the Jaguars and and uh, they're and they're they're upcoming. You know, Lawrence has already announced this team as being here. I thought it was a year. I think just like everybody else, this was a year early. We thought that it would be the Colts or the the Titans that were going to keep them at bay for at least this year. But apparently this team is for real. The coaching staff has things figured out. The chemistry is already there. They're young, but my goodness, they have already announced that they have this division and they probably will for the foreseeable future unless 
it happens where there's, you know, some rumors on how Aaron Rodgers could potentially go to the t- Tennessee Titans. I don't think it will, but hypothetically, something like that could maybe. But even that, the the Jags are here. Ridley would be coming back. Uh, the, this team is is scary good, but I do think that. And and again, Mike Williams is 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 a, a key factor to this. If he doesn't, if he can't go, then that's another reason. To see this game being very, very, very close, and it's also fascinating is that the Jags are the type of team that always find a way to win games as of lately, whereas the the Chargers, not just this season but historically, always seem to find a way to lose games. So that's an interesting dynamic too. But with all that said, giving the edge to the Chargers, I think in the end they're a little bit stronger of a team. I think that they have a little bit more more key players at key positions, that will be enough of a difference for them to get the edge. I think it will be tight, probably low scoring, but I think Chargers in the end will, 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 will have that, will have the, the game won. Now we move into the Sunday games, where we're looking at the Dolphins facing the Bills. And I want to quick say, say that I think that, you know, unlike the Seahawks, who now are in, thankfully, according to them, and, and they were whining and complaining about how the NFL got it wrong about changing the schedule and not having their game and the Lions and Packers at the same time. Well, shame on them because this is the NFL. You really think that any of these teams are just going to roll over and play dead? Well, okay, maybe, maybe the Cowboys. But uh, in general... You really, you really think that the Lions were not going to play their asses off? Come on, I, I'm sorry, but like NFL has way too much pride. Everybody, every player has way too much pride, and especially, especially in a situation where it's the Lions against the Packers, the Lions wanted desperately to do to to make sure that the Packers didn't get in. That 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 is that is their Super Bowl, as as the, the cliche. It goes on. So shame on them for thinking that, you know, that was that was somehow a disadvantage. But with all that said, going back to who I do think could make a case for, you know, being unfortunate is, is the Bills. They are the team that are by far the mo- most, uh, mo- have, have just had the most unfortunate circumstances due to, you know, the, the unfortunate game and the injury to... Uh, to Hamlin and pause just such a great, great signs and great positive energy that he's making the right strides. So long ways to go, but it's so, so wonderful to hear uh, that he's making great progress and the love and support across the board, the organization, players, the, the, you know, the NFL, the, uh, everybody out there, like it's just been so heartwarming. To, to just see, you know, people, buy, uh, you know, come together, right? It, it's, 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 it's just an amazing, amazing story. But moving back to, you know, the football, you know, talks is that now because of the circumstances and we don't know what would have happened in that game. I'm not saying that it was a guarantee, but what I am saying is that if things go, went, went accordingly uh, to plan, then that would mean that the Bills would have, kept their number one seed, which has now been gifted to the Chiefs. And I don't want to hear about how, like, that's great that, like, they're going to 
Roger Goodell is going to decide if they were to match up against each other in the AFC Championship game, where it's going to play. That's great, but that doesn't help the Bills in this case. And I know that everyone has to play whoever is in front of them and all that jazz. It doesn't change the fact that the Bills now went from having potentially a bye to now having to play a dangerous uh, Bill, a Dolphins team. And I know that it's like, okay, well, the Dolphins right now are showing themselves and blah, blah, blah. But if, if Tua is able to get through concussion protocol and with the dangerous weapon of Waddle and Hill, this team can be dangerous. And I also know that their weather would not favor them, but they've also proven that they could go to Buffalo and, and go toe-to-toe with them. Bill still found a way in that game. And I still think that they will again in this game. And I'm not saying this specific matchup, but it's more of the combination of now they have to play another matchup, which, oh, by the way, is where injuries can can, can, can occur and just whatever, right? And then coupled with the fact that then now also, there is also the fact that the Bengals, which we've already seen is an Achilles heel to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now they're guaranteed to not have to deal with them unless the Bengals are able to get to the AFC Championship game now because of the seeding format. So because of those two significant advantages, now being gifted home field and not having to worry about your clear rival that has you has you beat up to this point, those two things have given the Chiefs life. I, I It's just that simple. Like I think that the Bills got a little bit unfortunate at that, but... All that aside, I think that they win against uh, the Dolphins, even if Tua is able to even able able to go. Uh, then the afternoon game on Sunday, the Giants going to Minnesota. This is a game that everybody's circling, that everybody's just assuming is going to be the Giants. Not so fast. Look, if it's a New York team or the Cowboys in the case of football, do not get misled. By everyone out there. Historically, everybody jumps on the bandwagon of any of any of the Giants or a Cowboys or the Cowboys as much as they possibly can. In the case of the Giants, everyone, remember, there are millions and millions of people in the New York and greater area that des- excuse me, that desperately want New York to have a team again, right? And not to mention, of course, the Giants are, you know. <laughs> They've had those two crazy years with Eli Manning. So you know that they're always a little bit dangerous. And therefore, that, that hope uh, is even even stronger with a team like, like the Giants. And the Giants have been a feel-good story all season. My my hand, my, my applause goes out to the coaching staff and to the players. They've, they've fought really hard. And they've really done an amazing job with what their assets are. Uh, I think that when you look at the matchups quarterbacks cousins or jones like take your pick i do think cousins is a little bit you know better but not much of a difference or running backs you know take your pick there's not there's not uh that much of a difference between cook and barkley but where there is a significant advantage and again even though the giants have a better defense there is one significant part of the matchup which is justin jefferson is single-handedly better than the entire offensive weapons outside of Barkley. So all the wide receivers, tight ends, Jefferson is better than all of them put together. 
that's where, coupled with the fact that Minnesota is going to have an extra fuel, just like the Lions did, uh, because they're being overlooked, and they have home field advantage, which you cannot forget that Minnesota Vikings, which have been labeled as the worst team ever in NFL history with a 13-4 record, doesn't matter. They play significantly better at home, and they've always, they found ways to win. They have also historically been the best team at finding ways to win, and I think that they'll squeak by the Giants again. It will be a close game, but I think in the end, the Vikings will, will get the edge. Evening game on Sunday, the Ravens against the Bengals. This is my hot take. You're hearing this correctly. I'm picking the Ravens to beat the Bengals. Why the hell would that be? Well, first, big asterisk. This is only predicated if Jackson and Andrews both end up playing and are their typical healthy self. It's a big, tall task. At this point, we have no idea. It's it's the end of Tuesday, for goodness sakes, and we have heard nothing, right? So this is a big what if, right? But simply put, if, if they are able to play, I think the Ravens will catch the Bengals off guard. I watched the last game when they played very closely, and I was more impressed with the two games that they faced against each other. I've been more impressed with what the Ravens were able to do against the Bengals with what their assets are playing on that field than they did the Bengals. I think that the Bengals are an incredible team, and I like their matchups against a lot of teams, including the Chiefs, as I alluded to. But I think that they have an Achilles heel with the Ravens. Burrow has historically, statistically, been not as strong with the Ravens as other teams. And I also think that the, I, I, I think that the defense of the Ravens have been, man, they are underrated. They have been playing great, with, given the fact that, look at what they've been presenting on the offensive side. Are you kidding me? I don't even know how they've been even in games. It's been remarkable. Okay? This team defensively is no joke. And I think that, look, Jackson is also one of those kind of players. Jackson and Andrews, I mean, like, these are game, these are game changers in a way where, like, if you're not used to them, you haven't played them in some time, they're going to get you off guard. And it will be a while. It will, it will be, it's been a while since we've seen them, seen tape on them and so forth. I know you can always look back, but like, look, this is how oftentimes it goes, you know, like Jackson is one of those types of players that you have to be ready for. You have to have a game plan against. If you don't, he's going to run all over you. Right. And he may be, he make a lot of boneheaded plays and whatnot. Of course he always seems to, but like, I think coupled with this kind of defense, I think that they can catch the Bengals off guard. I really do. So I'm going to go with Ravens, but a huge asterisk. This is only, only, only if Jackson and Andrews both get to play and are healthy. It's that simple. Otherwise, I'm picking the Bengals. Let's be very clear about that. Okay, then last, last game of the, the wild card weekend, which is uh, the Monday night game, Cowboys against Buccaneers. Another hot take. Although it would be a hot take, regardless of which team you pick, because quite frankly, I don't think it really matters. Take your pick. There's going to be a huge uproar against, oh, well, why would you be doing this? Or, you know, so regardless, I, I think that this game is wacky, 
right? It's just that simple. But I, I'm, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like every on paper, you have to pick the Cowboys, right? Just look at the records for God's sakes. But <clears throat> the Buccaneers have the legend, the GOAT, Tom Brady, and we've learned our lesson far too many times. I know I have. I'm not picking against him. I think the odds are way more, more likely that he finds a way. They find a way. The team finds a way. Even though when they doesn't look like they should, they find a way. And and it's also way more likely that the Cowboys find a way to lose, right? Choke, so to speak, right? That's what is just more likely. Let's just be honest. It could easily go either way, but I'm going to go with siding with the Bucks. So this now presents the second round, and I'll go a little bit quicker with this because I'm sure I won't get all these right, right? And we'll, we'll you know, have to restart uh, next week, but... This is then how it would fall. Because of the cho- the chosen teams, this means that the Chiefs would play the Ravens. And with that game, I think that, I think the Ravens again, they're going to have some momentum. But I just think that in the end, even though it's happened, uh, Jackson has beaten Mahomes before. I think it was on a Monday night game last, last season, I believe. But... I think that the Chiefs are, look, at the end of the day, I trust Mahomes more. I think they both are good teams. I think that the the defensive side of the Ravens will keep it tight. But I think that one of the many patented, you know, close game wins by Mahomes will be the difference. Probably in a last, you know, last touchdown near the end of the game or or, or a field goal to, to win it. Then you would have the number fifth seed Chargers going to the Buffalo Bills. In this game, I think that the Chargers have a lot of talent, right? But I think that this will be the game where, because they're not the clear uh, talented team, because the Bills have just as much talent, so they're equally matched there. I think now it will come down to boneheaded mistakes uh, and turnovers that I think is way more likely for the Chargers to and to end up having than it is the Bills. Even though the Bills have been in a turnover prone this season, I think that though in the playoffs, they're going to change it a little bit, change, you know, become a, a different version of themselves that we saw more at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I think that the Bills will win that, win that game. Uh, this would obviously lead to then, you know, the unbelievable matchup of the chasing Bills, but we'll come back to that. So switching back to the NFC, and then you would have the number one seed Eagles hosting the number four seed uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. I would side. I would roll yet again with the legend of, of, of Tom Brady because I think that the Eagles, and I just said this, you know, about say like the Bills and whatnot, that, you know, that season's long. And it tends to be that, you know, coming into the playoffs and the actual playoffs usually be very are, are two different things. The teams tend to play differently, but I think the Eagles are a little bit different situation. I think that you know they haven't proven that they can win in the playoffs. They need to prove that. So because of that, coupled with the fact that on the other hand, who they be playing against is a team that is very confident. You know, this team will by association because of Tom Brady be confident. They've also beaten them. And I know that the Eagles are a totally different team, especially with, with Brown and so forth. But I still think that 
the Bucks will will find a way to squeak by the Eagles again to make it two in a row. And then everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, can they really do this again? All right. In fact, I, I think that's exactly what's, what will happen once they beat once they beat the Cowboys. Everybody's gonna be like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Is Tom really gonna do this yet again? Right? Uh, and I think that momentum is gonna carry through and they're gonna get one more. The that leaves with the Vikings as a third seed would go to San Francisco. This is not even a matchup. We've just saw this not that long ago. The Vikings just don't have enough to compete against the 49ers. This leads to the 49ers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We said it, I've said this since the halfway point of the season. The 49ers are the most talented team in the NFL. Pound for pound, every position outside of the quarterback, they are the strongest. And I understand where even in this matchup that like you may want to be you may be tempted to pick the GOAT versus Mr. Irrelevant. But first of all, Purdy has has done more than enough to show, show that he can do this. Plus, I, again, I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is. For hello, Garoppolo, right? Or take your pick. It doesn't seem to matter. This team, the 49ers, are just too strong. The fact that Debo Samuel did get back, this team is just too athletically talented. They have way too many weapons, way too much versatility. It doesn't even matter... <clears throat> when you have the right defensive call uh, made, it just won't matter. This team has the talent across the board where it just doesn't matter, offensively and defensively. And that is going to outshine even the legend that is Tom Brady. And that's where the, bu- the buck <laughs> stops, right? Uh, no pun intended. So I think that the 49ers get to the Super Bowl. So who do they play against? The le- the, the, speaking of legends, the legend that is already growing between the Chiefs and the Bills. Last last season, I said it was the worst game I've ever seen before. When everybody was saying it was one of the greatest games of all time, I, I had a different opinion. I felt like it was like the game was broken. It was like playing a video game and you knew the rules, so you were able to just break it. And a good example of that is I don't even play video games, but I remember way back when, I uh, had this college football game, and I think it was Sega Genesis or something like that. And I just remember that basically I found the loophole, which was that like the algorithm, the computer algorithm, could not detect a player if it was near the end line, near the edge. There was like this void space where if you put a player there, they couldn't detect it. It was like it, it was invisible. It couldn't. It couldn't. Couldn't see it. And so you just could, you know, run up there and score a touchdown every single time whenever I wanted to. So the game was ruined. And I felt like that's what I saw in that game. The, the game was just pointless at this point. It was just obscene, just the way that things unfolded. But it doesn't change the fact that it happened and the Bills were on the outside looking in in that situation. I have said all along that the Bills are going to use that fuel all the way to the Super Bowl victory for this year. I said it then. Beginning of the season and all throughout, I've had the Bills as as a Super Bowl winner. And I think that they will get to the Super Bowl by beating the Chiefs. It will probably be another wacky-ass game. But I think that the energy, the camaraderie that this team has, even more so now with the heartwarming situation with, with Hamlin and wanting to do it for him, as with so many people would love to. There is no team 
that deserves it more than the Bills. Let's be honest. Even with or without Hamlin, this team has always been the team that deserves it most. The only exception could be maybe the Jags. You can make a case for but even that, Jags aren't, it don't have the history like the Bills do. The, the dreaded four Super Bowls in a row losses in the early 90s. The Bills and that organization, everything that they, the fans have gone through. I'm not, look, I'm not even, I, I've only been fascinated by the Bills since, you know, I've always been fascinated by that, but I'm not a Bills fan. Let's just be clear, right? I just think that I feel confident that they're the team, and I think that they'll find a way, and therefore the matchup is going to be one hell of a game between the Bills against the 49ers. And this is where things get interesting, because unlike the NFC, where I don't think that there's a team that has the ability to expose the potential only weakness that the 49ers have, and that is the quarterback position, the Bills, or whoever the AFC representative, because let's be honest, it's either going to be Allen, Mahomes, uh, Burrow, Herbert, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a really, really good uh, quarterback. Man, the AFC, my goodness, they're, they're loaded with quarterback talent and they're all young. It's, it's freakish, man. Uh, AFC, they got, they, they got their hands for all of them. You know, like I've said this before, but I, I, I could eat my words, but I, I still think that Chiefs could potentially, and, and Mahomes could end up having a similar career as Peyton, you know, or, um, uh, Rogers in the case with only having one, and he never gets back. There's a, there's a possibility, uh, even this year, this stiff top stiff competition, especially in the quarterback position. So, but because of that, so in this case, if it is Allen or whoever it is, that is why that it get, becomes interesting because now that can be a, a a point of getting the balanced of the two teams up there because now the strength of the 49ers and all their talent, the fact that there may be a clear advantage in the quarterback position, that may even the tides, right? I, I'd be very tempted to pick the 49ers because over the last 10 weeks, eight, you know, eight, 10 weeks, I've been so high on them. I, I've boldly announced far, far long ago that this is the, the best team I may have ever seen in, in, in NFL when it comes to the position players. It is scary. I don't know what you do against them. But with all that said, I'm still I'm still sticking with Bills. I think that you know they have they have a lot of talent too. You know, and and uh, I think that Allen I've I've said Allen's just a difference maker. And I think that in this case, you know, again, no rookie quarterback has ever taken his team to Zerbel. So Mr. Relevant will do something, and that's such an incredible story on itself. Uh, but I think it will it will stop there. It will get really really close. But I think in the end, I'm still sticking with the Bills. Uh, it may not make sense, uh, especially the way that they've been playing. Uh, but I think that you know the game, the season is long, and I think that historically, things change a little bit, you know, from week to week. And I think this will be no different. You may not like it. I, who knows? This is why they play the games. But that's my prediction. It's the Bills to win it all. Okay, so a number of you are ecstatic and anxious about your team being in the playoffs. But now let's talk about all the teams that didn't make it in, unfortunately. 
And it's not to say that they weren't a great team. There's a number of, of teams that, quite frankly, they just missed out. Uh, case in point being a team like the Detroit Lions, who I do want to spend a little bit more in-depth of a conversation around. Look, this, this, this team should be proud. The coaching staff, the organization, we talked a lot. We gave a lot of credit to you know, the New York Giants or the Jets you know, and, and, or the Jags, right? They, you know, the Jags are, are the perfect example. They were fortunate to be in the right division at the right time. That's why they're in. And say Detroit's not. It is not to take away how incredible of a season the Lions had. And quite frankly, they should be in. I'm, I'm calling, you know how like in, in uh, the college basketball, men's basketball tournament particularly. It happens in the women's tournament too, but a lot more in the men's tournament as far as when the bracketology announcement when you know brackets are official and they they announce it uh on that sunday before it gets kicked off there's always usually that team or set of teams that don't get in that the committee just got wrong right that's what it feels like to a lot of people right obviously it's always subjective but it always feels like there's always a team that should be in well it doesn't happen as often with the NFL, but it definitely did this year when it comes to the Detroit Lions. They played one hell of a game against the Green Bay Packers. And let's also talk about the Green Bay Packers then by association, right? That was an incredible game, not for Green Bay, but for Detroit. And let's be clear, this was less about what Green Bay didn't do it as it is what Detroit did do. This Detroit team was is a dangerous team. And if they were in the playoffs, I would be worried. Even more so based on what they've done over the last like eight weeks. Remember, this team has been on a hot streak. We spent so much, you know, they, and they were overlooked. They were constantly overlooked. And this was even with games where they were scoring, you know, 30, 40 points on a regular basis. They held. They held the. They had the record for the most 30 plus, uh, you know, scoring games. They essentially, for all intents and purposes, had the best statistical offense in the league. Not Kansas City, not Buffalo, and so forth. It was Detroit, right? And it wasn't just that. the the the, the, the game against Green Bay was so beautifully scripted slash uh, envisioned and adapted while in while in the game. You know, it didn't go perfectly. There was things that went wrong. Uh, and let's also not forget that uh, Jared Goff did not have a good game at all. And this is this is what's so fascinating about the Packers, right? As we know, they are my team. But I'm also the first to acknowledge how frustrating it is to be a fan of this team. I've always wanted, I, you know, I grew up being a Packer fan, not because I'm from Wisconsin, but rather because I was introduced into a household that, you know, liked the Packers when I, when I was young, but then also Favre came in right at that, at that time, uh, 
and it just Favre was what took me took me it brought me in that's why I became a Packer fan I've been a Packer fan ever since then but it's been a lot a long long time they've had an incredible tenure but with with Hall of Fame quarterbacks yet they only have two Super Bowl rings to show for it and one other additional appearance that uh, Favre had uh, which they which they lost to which was against the Denver Broncos in an epic game in itself where uh, the running back I'm drawing a blank on his name at the top of my head but he just he had an incredible game I remember he got concussed concussed he still came back Terrell Davis I think is that does that name sound same right it could be something like that but anyways they're, they're running back he was an incredible player and, and that was a that was just an unbelievable uh, game for him and that was ultimately the difference now Coming back, you know, coming forward now, it's like you look at at their their pathways, and it's just fascinating. And what's particularly fascinating is that it's a it's a representation of how difficult it is to win in the NFL, especially in the playoffs, and even more so in that rare, you know instance of the Super Bowl. I mean, Tom and Belichick particularly, and then Tom in general, kind of build this unfortunate illusion that like, oh, you're a great player, therefore you must win all these Super Bowls. But that's not the reality, you know? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, and I I, I could be, I could eat my words by saying this, but I, I have a sneaky suspicion that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a nearly identical career as like Aaron Rodgers. I do not anticipate as great as Andy Reid is and as incredible of a talent Patrick Mahomes is. Let's be for real. And why? It's because it's really, really difficult. And the Packers have embodied that more than anyone than anyone else. They consistently have had always a, a, a good team, a good enough team coupled with a Hall of Fame quarterback where you think Oh, it's Super Bowl or bust. We could, we kept building this this them up, thinking that like, well, they have to win. They have to win. Come on, Rodgers has to win another uh, another uh, Super Bowl. We can't keep. We've been wanting to say he's one of the greatest of all time, but we can't because he doesn't. He only has one Super Bowl to his name, and so we've been desperate to push to assume that they need that. They need that. They need that. But what's what's really actually break this down in that game? It wasn't that the Packers weren't a good team. Heck, you could make a case for the fact that they were the better team on that field. But they didn't win. Why didn't they win? Well, the, every year, every team has an Achilles heel. Now, the interesting thing about the Achilles heel is that it's not always with the same pairing. And what I mean by that is, is that, again, using Detroit and Green Bay as the perfect example of this, the reason why everybody unanimously thought that Green Bay was going to win this game, and a lot of people thought comfortably. I did not think that. I thought there was going to be a close game. I will admit that I did think that Green Bay would win this game. I thought that they would lose to the 49ers in the opening round, but I did I did think that they were going to win, find a way to win against Detroit. But as I watched that game, third drive in, I was like, nope, Detroit's got this. And it was because... The patterns, the patterns were indicating that this game was happening exactly the same way as the the last meeting in week nine, I believe it was. 
the thing that's interesting about the dynamics of like uh, you know the strengths and weaknesses of a good team is that it's not predicated on just the team. It's predicated on the team plus other factors like the opponent, like the location of where the, the game is being held, the weather conditions, heck, the conditions of you know the players themselves, their health physically, mentally. Nowadays, we got to talk about that. There's a lot of factors. But in this game, it became fascinating that Detroit was able to take advantage of Green Bay's Achilles heel, while Green Bay was not able to handle or take advantage of Detroit's Achilles heel. Remember, Detroit came in as, for all intents and purposes, the strongest offense statistically up to this point. We thought, therefore, that the only way that they could win is by a shootout. And you would think that based on data. But matchups have a tendency to do unusual things. And with it comes unusual behaviors. This was one of those matchups. Detroit seemed, for whatever reason, it could be because of coaching, which I'm going to talk about it, man. Kudos to the coaching for Detroit. It was unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. The last two drives was a work of freaking art. I mean, seriously, that was unbelievable. Now, let's not forget, though, that as beautiful as it was, say like the last drive, none of this would matter if it weren't for some fortunate luck. Most notably, for example, is the infamous now catch in his his, his, his feet, his legs. The, the, the uh, I think it's St. Brown made that a critical catch. It was that third down uh, catch where if they didn't get it, they're clearly going to have to, to punt, even even for them. But he it was, a, it was a poor pass, and he never really had the ball. But it just happened to be that it somehow got lodged in his, in his legs, and then the defender actually helped to keep it in there, and then it just never touched the ground. So it wasn't even worth even challenging because it was very clear that it was just a miracle. That's just dumb luck, right? Uh, that, that's the other thing uh, is, is that it takes a lot of things to go your way, including good fortune. This is one of those games. We do want to applaud Detroit, as I do, but at the same time, Detroit got very fortunate. Now, I'm not saying that it always got fortunate, so same with Green Bay, but there was more fortunate plays, most notably in the turnovers. Remember, the talk, one of the big talking points in this game, who was going to win a turnover margin? Which, by the way, the turnover margin is the most significant stat to decide who wins an NFL game. Well, this game was fascinating because you had one team coming in that was on fire with, with the turnover margin, the Green Bay Packers and their defense. Meanwhile, you had Detroit that came in as the best team to not give up turnovers. So it was going to be fascinating. Well, the game wound up happening in the favor of Detroit. But it wasn't like they necessarily did anything to, to, that worked out in their favor, with the exception being uh, the player's number, the number was 31, the safety, who, it's again, there are b bizarre patterns all around us in the world. And in sports, it's no different. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks ever, particularly when it comes to protection of the ball. But for whatever reason, in two games against that player, number 31, 
Don't remember his name. He, he was downright miserable against them. I mean, this guy had his number. And sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes even the greats just have Achilles heel. Tom is always, you know, there's always been a few Achilles heel teams or players. That's how it always goes. Nobody is perfect. And particularly against that, I mean, the way that then the Packers just started in Rodgers, you know, between whether it was the scheme or Rodgers himself, just heaving the ball up like that. I remember when, even though it came back, the first one, you knew it was going to happen again. You just knew it. And then it comes to the issue where the, in, the, in, the, the, um, in the trenches, Detroit won both sides, both offense and defense on both sides. They just, they control that. I mean, most notable is on their defense. Their defense took a stab. They took a shot. They took a gutsy decision to go all in on defending the run and just Whatever happens in the past game, it is what it is. They took they took that that chance, and oftentimes when that happens with other teams and other matchups, that does not go well. You know, in this case, you know, Rogers should have easily just you know, uh, you know, picked them apart. But it didn't happen against Detroit in both two games. In the end, the Achilles heel for uh, Green Bay was more specifically. The red zone, the red zone offense, that was this year's. Last year, it was the, it was the special teams, and it wound up being their doom. Same again. This year's, it was the red zone offense. They statistically were the worst red zone offense, and particularly against Detroit, they were miserable. That's the difference in this game. This game would have clearly been won by Green Bay before. The half even ended. Half before the first quarter even if it ended, if it weren't for that Achilles heel. And Detroit took advantage of that. And as, as with it, they stayed close. And then whenever that we talk about this all the time, that's why I was I was not loving that everybody was assuming Green Bay was gonna win, because we also, as sports fans, know this. This is one of the most fascinating stats. It's not something that even shows up necessarily, but Historically, it is extraordinarily common where if a team is lopsided as the predicted winner, more often than not, the underdog always seems to win. There's like some weird, like it's almost like I the balance of the universe, how they're always the positive, negative, uh, black, white, right? Like how in general, if you look at the universe the way it always is trying to fight for balance, that's why things never go one pathway for too long. There's always changes. Heck, even what I talked about then the matchups thing, how one team can be perfect. Like, heck, the New, the New England Patriots then, their Achilles heel were the Giants, right, who got them both times in the Super Bowl, despite the fact that, you know, the Patriots were supposed to be the better team. The stats said that, everyone said that on visualize and so forth. But that's how things go. And in this case, in this instance, the Achilles heel of the Packers was the red zone offense and in particular against the Detroit Lions because those two games wound up being the difference. Uh, so again, that's how it goes. You know, now I, it's, it's fascinating because there's one last part that I want to talk about this. And that is when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. 
I no longer can say, I don't feel like I can no longer say that he's a great quarterback when it comes to the greats of the greats of the greats. Because again, for the same reason that not only does he not, does he only have one Super Bowl, but you look at his percentages in the playoffs and how many times then he's lost. And particularly against games, which you would think that there's an inferior, you know, matchup in a quarterback position. This being another perfect example. It always seems like even if he's not having a great game, it always seems like he plays better than the opposition's quarterback, yet in these playoff games, he seems to always lose. And it's really fascinating. Because I wouldn't say, and this game was no different, I wouldn't say that he necessarily had a bad game. I'd say the Packers had a bad game, because they most certainly did. How many draw passes? How many miscues? How many boneheaded, stupid idiotic, you know, plays. I'm looking at you, particular Walker. That just cannot happen. But that's what's so fascinating. All these things consistently happen. And you can't really blame like one player, right? Like in this case with like, in the case with Rogers, it's not like Rogers is making these, those mistakes, but yet it's really fascinating. When, when he lost, you know, last year to the 49ers, he was supposed to be the better quarterback against Garoppolo. And quite frankly, he was. But it didn't matter. The Achilles heel was revealed and exposed in the, the, the uh, special teams. And the 49ers won as a result of that. The year before that, when it came to, let's see, was it was it Brady and the Bucks at that time? Uh, but anyways, going cycling through, it's like even against somebody like Brady who can can match his skill. In that game, Rodgers outplayed Brady. He in fact he most more often than not, my point is that he usually outplays the quarterback. And yet the Packers don't seem to win. And I know that I'm the first to always say part of this is on the organization for not going out and getting the last key components, you know, players, uh, to fill in the per- the quote unquote more optimal team. And maybe that is ultimately all it is. Maybe that's all it is. Because let's be honest, if in this case with this team, they still had Devontae Adams, this is probably a Super Bowl winning team. Let's be, just be real. Because when you watch them, any time that they had issues, more often than not, when it all came down to it, things would be completely reversed if they had Devontae. Right? So, I mean, heck, the red zone offense. Is it coincidence? that they went from basically top five and top five for a number of years to dead last? You think it's coincidence that it happened to be when they they ship out Devontae Adams and then rely on some rookies, right? And then not to mention all the injuries consistently that just naturally happen in the NFL. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 I think, I, I think it really does come down to that, which is why, I say, if I'm Aaron, I get out of there. Regardless of what we think, I don't think that he quite needs to retire, although I also think that he definitely slowed down a little bit this season, you know, taking everything out of the equation. I don't think it was just um, the the lack of wide receivers and so forth or whatever it may be. I think some of it is also on Rodgers himself and just slowing down a little bit with age and whatnot. Uh, but I, I just, I don't think that this is the, the pattern has been consistently not in 
their favor for far too long for anybody, including him, to think that it's just going to change next season. We're not talking about, you know, typical Pirates here. We're talking about a historically nightmarish situation with, I mean, just alone with the last five seasons alone, all five of them. Four of them being legitimate because they had incredible records and were fighting for, or if had, the number one seed in the playoffs. In this case, look, just a week ago, just leading up to this game, just, you know, 24 hours ago, you know, less than 24 hours ago, everybody thought that like, okay, okay, Packers are here and they're dangerous. Now, I loved 49ers. I still thought 49ers would win, but let's be clear. It wasn't, it no longer was, uh, you know, red and gold anymore. You know, it was, it was, it was, the Packers had a real shot. They were hot coming in, you know? So again, five seasons and all the other seasons, you know, like they just, they kept coming short, you know? And it, the organization refuses to do anything about it. So between those two factors, if I'm Rogers, you got to leave, you got to go somewhere else. Just change it up. That's the, that's the thing about patterns. Well, I always say, especially even in sports, like when I'm training, uh, you know, players, it's like if things are not going well, you always want to take stock into in identifying what you're doing, so that way you can do other things to change it up, to change your output, your environment, so forth. Because more often than not, the biggest, the first and foremost problem when things aren't going well in a consecutive pattern is because you refuse, you're stubborn and you don't make the change, you don't make a change. If if you if you have a poor outcome, right, and it happens the second time and the third time, it's more often than not because you're doing the same thing you did to create the same kind of environment. You know? So change it up. In this case, I think it's time. And speaking of change, let's move on to some other teams of importance. Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Unbelievable job, Tomlin. Can't believe it. It looked like they were, speaking of dead and, 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 and buried, they too, we thought. But yet, this is Tomlin. Great coaches find a way, and they found a way again. So, unbelievable season in the end for them. And I think that they got a lot of momentum carried in. And I think Pickett, Pickett he may not be the strongest, especially in the AFC side, but he showed a lot of toughness and and it embodies the Steelers and Tomlin. I mean, it's just, it's a great fit, as we thought maybe it would be. From there, if I haven't called your name, it's because you didn't have a good season. That includes you Jets, who it was looking like you had things figured out, but in the end, came up short. I will give a little bit of an edge to to the Patriots. I do think in the end, again, just as we're talking about with with Tomlin, I think Belichick did as as good as he possibly could. I I can't believe he was even uh, in the running. He even had a shot at potentially still sneaking in with the with the playoffs. So I will I will say uh, that they also had a great season. But everybody else, I mean, unfortunately, you just have to wait till till next season and and hope that you get. Uh, New draft picks and uh, you know change the scenery, change the environment, uh, maybe some some additional coaching and whatnot. Just hope for the best and keep fighting. So that's what we love the sport. Uh, with all that said, I appreciate you listening. Uh, this one's a little bit longer, so extra kudos if you have hung through the whole the whole way. And I'm excited to to watch the games. And until the next uh, 
Till next week. Cheers and remember, clear mind, strong body, good heart. We are Athena.